You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. If you'll notice, uh, the primary spokesman here in 2 Chronicles 20, 20 and following is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. And that's very important. He was the fourth king of Judah. Four is the number of miraculous deliverance. Not just being saved or brought out of something, but miraculous, a God-ordained deliverance. Jehoshaphat's name means Yahweh has judged. And when someone judges a particular thing, issue, or so forth, it means the person has reached a decision or conclusion. And when God decides on something, it's so. I said, when God decides on something is so. That's how powerful he is and his word is. If he decides better is here and better is coming, does not matter whether you believe it or not. He done made the decision, so it is so. If God says he's going to move on our behalf and only half of us believe it, he's going to move for the half that believes. Because again, once he judges or decides on a particular thing, it is so. And something God judges or makes a decision on, you, you, you have to really stay focused. Because God will tell you some things that from a human standpoint are impossible. But you have to understand what, what Jesus told a person. When it comes to men, things are in truth impossible. But not with God. Say to somebody, with God, with God. All, all things are possible. Never limit God. Never limit God. Never focus on your situation and, and, and consider it from a human standpoint as a Christian. Always consider what God promised in Scripture when it comes to your situation. If God promised he would bring you out, believe it and watch him do it. 
I said, believe it and watch him do it. Now, it's important to understand what, what I've said thus far, so I just want to say it again briefly. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah, people of praise. For the number of miraculous deliverance. His name means, again, Yahweh or Jehovah has judged, made a decision, has concluded that something is going to be or not going to be. This is important because at the time of the text, the people of praise or Judah was facing insurmountable odds. And Jehoshaphat, the king, decided to seek God as to what should be done. And I'm going to read a minute, but it's with purpose. I want you to see what was going on. Consider the first verse of 2 Chronicles 21. That's where we'll start. Ready? It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides Ammon came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria and they are Hazazan Tamar which is Engadi. And Jehoshaphat feared. Notice his human emotion came forth. And I guess if you see a great multitude coming, fear will come. How many know even though you got the Holy Ghost, there are times to where you become afraid? That's your human side. But notice again, verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. How many believe that is still true? Nobody can withstand him. Why is that? He's omnipotent. He has how much power? Verse 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built your sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in the temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear. And what? Is he praying? And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. 
There they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. Now, God gave them a pass. And look how they reward. Coming against his, his children. One of the worst things you can ever do is touch one of God's children. Aren't you glad you wanted his child? Verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. How many have found out that there are some things that you don't have the strength to fight? There are things that when it comes to your strength, you can't defeat. Why is that? People, humans are limited. You can only do so much. You can only go so far. That's the reason you need to do what he, he is doing here in the text. He's casting his cares upon God. Why would he do such? Because God cares for us. Amen. Say to somebody, God cares for you. Cares. Never forget that. No matter what you go through, remember God cares for you. You believe that? Yes. If you do, shout, I believe that. Notice again, verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. We don't have a clue, Lord. But our eyes are on you. Now, Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. So they done put the prayer to God. Letting God know if you don't intervene, we're powerless against the enemy that is coming against us. And then God replies. Notice verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Woo, it left the text, ain't it? Somebody going through something, you better grab this rhema. The battle is not but your gods. The battle is not but your verse 16. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Juriel. 
you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now notice he tells them to go out, to go out against them, but they won't have to fight. Go out there like you're going to fight. But you ain't going to have to fight. He wanted them to see Israel's face or Judah's face. Wanted the enemy to know that they were not afraid of them. Even though they outnumbered. They outnumbered Judah, but the Lord said, I want you to go out there so they can see you. But keep in your mind, you ain't going to have to fight. Isn't it amazing how, how sometimes we try to do something when God has not told us to? You done prayed and asked God for help. And so, you don't like the way God is doing things, so you try to do some things on your own. Bottom line, you don't like God's timing, so you're going to try to fix it yourself. But how many know the right time is God's time. Go out. Let them see you. But you ain't going to have to fight. And, and notice the biggest concern that, that God had in reference to, to Israel uh, that, that he spoke to them about more than once in the text is look, I don't want you to fear. From a theological standpoint, fear is the antithesis of faith. Fear is the antithesis of faith. And such, a, such fear that he speaks about in the text. I'm not talking about the human fear when, when Jehoshaphat was afraid when he saw something. But in reference to enemies that come against you. That is a spirit of fear. It's not human fear. That's a spirit of fear. That tries to make you do in contrast to God's will. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's what he, he, 
he has given us. Love, power, and a sound mind. Again, uh, he says in verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. And now we come to the primary text. Jehoshaphat has prayed. The Lord has given him a word. Telling him that they don't need to fear. They don't need to fight. The battle is the Lord's. But Jehoshaphat knows within himself or he discerns that the people are not believing are not operating in faith the way they need to. They done got a word, but they are still not believing or operating in faith the way they need to. Remember, I said earlier, an antithesis of faith is fear. He could sense that. He could sense that. And, and see, one of the things that a person does that's operating in fear is doubt. Becomes unfaithful or becomes confused, uncertain, or wondering. If what was said is so. Ooh, don't look like that. You've received a word that you know was your rhema. But then you have battled doubt. Fear. You've even wondered if what was said is so. I don't even have to get you to put up your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Because everybody in here has been guilty. If you've been in church and you've received a rhema, you have been guilty where you wondered about what was said. But I love the fact that their, their leader sensed that they were not believing the way that they need to believe. The word believe in Hebrew is is a word that we commonly use in church, uh, not knowing that it's also a Hebrew word, amen. That's what believe 
means in Hebrew, amen. That's the actual word, amen, which means so be it. Let it happen. But he knew they didn't have a genuine amen or belief in their being. And we don't need to have something mixed or be on the border of, of where we are in a state of waver. Because if we're double-minded or if we waver, according to James 1, we're not going to receive anything from the Lord. God be done told us what he's going to do, but, but we can actually mess up our blessing. Simply because we are allowing fear, doubt, confusion, uncertainty, or such to interfere with what God said. And God has never lied. If God says a thing, we just need to believe it and watch him manifest it. Because God can do anything save fail. There is no failure in him. But he sensed that they didn't have the amen in them. They did not believe. They did not believe. Now, amen, when we define it from an English standpoint, again, means so be it. Let it happen. But I want to give you some more definitions in reference to believe or amen based upon the text. You ready? From a moral standpoint, in reference to choosing right and wrong, to believe is to choose what's right. Even if fear is coming against you, you still choose what's right. And that's simple to us because God's word is always right. No matter how the odds are stacked up against us, we, we got to hold on to what does saith God. God's word is always right. Second meaning of believe or amen is to be quiet. To be quiet. Which simply means to be calm and have self-control. Put your flesh on the subjection. Don't allow your mind to wander. Don't allow Words to come out of your mouth that speak death instead of life. Why? Proverbs 18 and 21, death and in the power of the tongue. You got you to gotta be quiet. You got to stay calm and you got to have self-control. You got to keep your flesh or your body under subjection. I got to think right. I got to talk right. I've got to do right. I've got to do it. 
And the next definition of believe or amen is to be permanent. Stay where God told you to stay. Remain in the place, in the position that God told you to take. Remember in the text, he, he told them to position themselves. Don't move when they start getting close. When your situation gets worse, don't move. Stay there. I've been praying it's getting worse. That don't matter. Stay where God told you to stay. I got another bad report. That does not matter. Stay where God told you to stay. Do what Paul said to the Corinthian church. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing this, that your labor is not in vain. You ready to preach to somebody? Preach to somebody, stay where you are. Look at somebody else and say, stay in the will of God. Because the best place to be and the safest place to be is in his will. where you have to stay. You have to be permanent. You have to stay where God has ordained for you to stay. And the last definition of believe or amen that I want to give you is that you have to operate in certainty or confidence. You can't go by what you see. No, we, we just folks. Second Corinthians 5 and 7 says we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. You can't go by what you, you see. You just got you just gotta hold on to what you're sure about. Oh yeah, you got a testimony. It is some things that you, child of God, know despite what you go through. Watch this. How many of you know without a doubt God is good. And he loves you. How many know God will show up and show out? How many know God will honor his word? You just got, you just got to hold on to your testimony. You got, you got to hold on to what you're certain about. You're certain that God would do what's right. You're certain that God would do what's just. And so you got to hold on to that. Because the enemy will try to snatch from you, as well as your flesh, your confidence and your certainty. The Hebrew writer said to the saints in Hebrews 10 and 35, cast not away your confidence. The enemy can threaten you all day, but, but when push comes to shove, if you lose your confidence, it's going to be on you. He'll try to make you lose it, but it's up to you. And that's the reason, again, the Hebrew writer said to the saint, cast not away, therefore your confidence. Even said the reason why in the same verse. 
He says, because it has great reward. Confidence produces things that your eyes have not seen. Your ears have not heard. Confidence produces buildings to worship in. Even though the enemy done told you, 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 will, you will never be able to have this. Maybe in 10 years come back, and, and it might, but I don't even know if it'll happen then. But if you got confidence in your God, God will do what the enemy, a professional, or somebody else said could not be done. I ain't even got to go there. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. If you know you are a miracle, put your hands together and say, I know I am a miracle. Some of us, our testimony, I should be dead right now. I should be crippled right now. I should be in hell right now. I don't know all your testimony, but I do know God is the one. that gave you a miracle. He didn't allow it to happen to you what the enemy wanted to happen. We got to give you a hand, God. You are so, so awesome. Say to your neighbor, you got to believe. Despite the odds. You got to believe. Despite what has not been working out in your favor. You have to believe. And that was what Jehoshaphat wanted Judah to understand. You got to believe. You have to believe. The just live by faith or belief in what does saith God. That's what we live by. You ain't seen God. You just believe his word. You ain't touched the hem of God's garment. You just believe his word. And your belief is one of the primary things that has changed your life for the better. Your belief. I said your belief. And so that's what he wanted them to do. Believe. And so. There were two, two people. In particular. That they had to believe in. And because the scripture changes not, because the word, the scripture is Jesus. According to John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1 and 14, and the word became flesh, or Jesus. Then Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ, or the word, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. The word does not change. You got to believe. And so the first 
person that he told them they had to believe in was the invisible one. God. Invisible, but yet all powerful. Very powerful. God God is so powerful to, to where you see him in the wind. You can just be walking and all of a sudden God, God will let you know he in control. He'll just send a, swing, a wind and just starts to blow you and you'll see it blowing. You, know, you, you can see the effects of the wind. But it's nothing tangible there. That's God letting you know that's me. I'm in control of the elements. I'm in control of the I, I was noticing yesterday that God is so powerful to where if, if you decide not to rake leaves, God has a way of raking leaves himself. All these leaves was just gathered up under this big tree and I just stood there and said, good God. I know I didn't, I didn't rake them leaves up under that tree. I was going to try to mulch and do something. God, you done put the leaves up under the tree. He has a way of doing things. Just to let us know, despite him being invisible, he is yet all powerful. So powerful to where certain things have happened to you that the only answer you have is God. I said the only answer you have is God. Even when we were sinners, we we would say things like, something told me not to go that way. So I'm so glad I didn't go. It, It wasn't no something. Even though you call it a something, it was a somebody. Who have God ever told you not to do something and, 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 you, and you obeyed it and you gave him the praise because if you had a did it, you would have messed yourself up. Have you ever wanted something so bad and, and you couldn't get it? And then in hindsight, when you look back, you say, oh, I, Lord, I thank you that I didn't get that. Because if I would have got that, I would be in trouble right now. God will save you from yourself. I said, God will save you from yourself. Look at somebody and tell them, nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody do you like. You better help me tell somebody else. Can't nobody but nobody but nobody do you like. Notice what he said. Believe the Lord, your God. Notice it has to be personal. See, you're not going to really trust God if you don't have a personal relationship with him. You can talk God all day, but, but if you ain't been in the prayer closet talking to God, if you ain't waited and let God show up and show out, you ain't going to trust him when times get tough. You got to have a personal relationship with God. You got to know how to call God in the midnight hour when you can't reach the preacher on the phone. You got to know how to talk to God when everything that can go wrong is taking place in your life. You got to know when to... 
Say to somebody, you got to have a personal relationship with him. You can't have no casual relationship with God and think he going to open up the windows of heaven, pull you out of blessing. You ain't got room to receive. You got to have a personal relationship with him. And when you have a personal relationship with him, you talk crazy. You ain't got a dime in your pocket, but you're talking about God gonna bless me. I'm going on vacation this year. I know I ain't been working long, but God gonna bless me to be able to go on vacation. Yeah, they turned me down, but I'm gonna have a car in less than 60 days because I've been praying and God done told me he gonna bless me with a car. He even showed me a vision of what it, Say to your neighbor, when you know God personally, you'll believe him for impossible things. You'll trust him to do what, what people wouldn't dare believe God did. But you do. Folks be done turned you down. You let them know. Well, I'm going somewhere. Somebody going to bless me with a car before the day is over. They laugh at you, look at you, let you crazy. But, but then when you get the car and God's going to look, drive back up there and let them see your miracle. And just step out the car and tell them, I told you. Just do it. Just do it. Let them know that I'm real. How many God ever showed the enemy how real What he told you is or was. God will show up and show out. Get this. For his children. I said for his children. Did he show up and show out for Daniel and, and the three Hebrew boys? Did he show up and show out for Paul? Did he show up and show out for Peter? Did he show up and show out for you? Say to your neighbor, God loves his children. But his children have to have a personal relationship with him. They have to know that he will cause them to be established. I'm going to give you one meaning for established in the text. One meaning for established in the text. Notice again, believe in the Lord God, you shall be what? You shall be. That's a promise. Second Corinthians 1 and 20, all of the promises of God in him are? Yes, and? You shall be established or successful. You're going to be successful. If you just believe in God, and when you believe in God, you're going to walk in his word. Lord, I'm just believing you're going to make me rich. Like what Ella Jackson said. So I found this penny early. You know it ain't working. So I'm going to just put this penny down. Lord, it's me again. I, I found a quarter to go with another penny. I want you to know I believe. That you're going to make me rich 
Proverbs 10, 22. Still ain't got no job, Lord. But then God blesses you with a job. It's what we used to call a piece of job, but you happy about that job because you didn't have nothing. I mean, I had a piece of a job. You weren't making a whole lot to brag on, but you were happy because you didn't have nothing. But you keep believing God, even with that piece of job. And then the next thing he does, he blesses you with a real job, as we call it. And the more you believe and keep doing what he tells you, the more you keep sowing and the more God keeps causing success to come to your life. He'll make you successful. What is being successful? It's being fruitful, productive. It's being in a state where things are turning out well. And see, when you become a child of God and have a personal relationship with him, that's what he does. He does Romans 8 and 28. He calls everything to turn out well. Even the bad, he calls it to turn out well. Well, even when you have to spend out a pile of money, he, he causes you to look at it and, and, and causes things to just turn out way. Even when things are chaotic, he causes you in the midst of a chaotic situation to see how it's going to turn out well. He's about making you successful. Making everything turn out well for you. And, and, and based upon the text, all he wants is for you to, amen, or believe him. All he wants you to do is, so be it, God. You gave me that rainbow, so be amen, so be it. And he causes it to work in your favor. It's a whole lot of us in here. We, we, done, we, we can say that God is the one that made us successful. Yeah. He's the one that made us successful. Oh, you got a good job, but it's folk work on that same job you work on. Make more money than you. But you're doing better than them. Why? Because of him. Nobody but him. Believe the Lord your God. So shall you be established or successful. But then he takes it further as I get ready to close it. He says, believe his prophets. Say to your neighbor, everybody is not God's prophet. Everybody that teaches or preaches from the Bible is not God's prophet. 
That's the reason he makes a distinction. Believe his prophets. And, and see, you, you, you have to understand that when it comes to his prophets, one simple definition, a prophet of God is someone that has been accredited by God to speak and do his pleasure. Someone that has been accredited by God to speak and do his pleasure. If I'm an accredited prophet, it means I am first approved of God. Not flawless, but God has put his stamp of approval on me. Second, if I'm accredited, it means that God has authorized me or given me authority. And get this, if I am accredited by him, he going to back up what I say and do. Because what I say and do are a reflection, actually more than a reflection of him. Because Amos 3 and 7 said, surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he reveal his secrets, private things, things that nobody knows. Is on the agenda. He'll reveal those secrets until his, get this, servants, the prophets. When you are accredited or an accredited prophet, you serve him. You do his pleasure. And he's the only member of the board. See, see, some preachers have, have to serve what the members want them to do. Because if they don't do what the members tell them to do, they're going to get fired. But when you are a servant of God, the only one you... Or the primary one you, you are trying to please is him. But now he going to make sure that you take care of his children. Why? Because what he gives his servants, the prophets, is for his children. It's for his children. You have, you have, you have some prophets, so-called prophets, that they try to control 
the church. That's not God's prophet. Because, because the primary thing that God wants is to cause his people to prosper. John revealed it when he spoke. Beloved, I wish above all that you prosper and be in health even as your soul does prosper. Not a hireling, not a hypocrite, a servant, a servant. Whatever the only board member tells you to do, that's what you do. Yeah. Go out there and tell them better is here and better is coming. You can get mad at the preacher, but if you seek God, God will bear witness that that's what he gave his servant. It'll never be to the point to where when, when he starts feeding his people, you won't discern or recognize that well, what pastor is saying is God because it's manifest. When God speaks something, he's going to turn right around and he's going to manifest it. And say to your neighbor, we have seen that time and time again. God's will be done. Well, on earth as it is in heaven. Believe his prophets. His prophets. You know, you got have, you have folks that call themselves chief prophets. Go ahead, be that. Worldwide prophet. International prophet. Seaside prophet. Go ahead, be whatever you want to. But the bottom line when it comes to God's prophets, they're servants. They serve for his pleasure. When you look at Elijah, Elisha, why did they serve? For God's pleasure. When you look at Isaiah, you look at Jeremiah, a man that wanted to quit. Why did he continue to serve? For God's pleasure. What was he? A servant. He served God and in turn served God's people. Why? That was God's pleasure. Walker, go out there and feed him. Knowledge and understanding. This week I want you to give them 2 Chronicles 20. Lay on them initially 2 Chronicles 20 verse 20 through 22. But then I want you to go back and read the whole chapter. And, 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 it, and, the, and the anointing is going to take over from there. Not plagiarizing. But doing exactly what God says to do. Believe his prophet, so shall. It's a promise. You'll prosper. That's what Jehoshaphat wanted for Judah. In a, in a time where they were facing insurmountable odds. Enemies that they couldn't defeat. 
on their own. He wanted them to understand the power of believing in God's prophet. That's what he wanted. We got to believe that that prophet said we won't have to fight in this battle. Now, you know if they, they were just carnally minded, they were going to lose. You, you think about it. We got folk coming down Refuge Way to kill all of us. And I sit here and I tell y'all, look, here they come. But don't go to your car, get your gun, get your shotgun, your knife, or nothing else. Because God done told me we ain't going to have to fight. I guarantee you, somebody, they getting closer. Yeah, I heard what Pastor said, but they, get, they getting closer. Somebody over here be like, if we can go out the door and get down through that cousin. I believe we take off right now. They won't be able to catch us if we just get through that cousin. See, despite him giving a word, guess what was happening? When it came to Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, they were still coming against Judah. They were still, he said they're doing all that prophesying, but they still, the enemy still coming. And see, sometimes I preach a word to you, but guess what? Your trouble's still coming. Your trouble's still happening. You still going through trials and tri even though I'm sitting I'm here preaching a word to you, you still going through battles. And, and see, some of us, when we hear stuff like this, we, we would be like, I heard what Pastor said. He said, we ain't have to worry. Some of us would be gone. Say, your neighbor, don't you take off. Don't you take off. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Who said it? The prophet. And get this. Get this. Then he tells them, instead of him uh, getting the foot soldiers, the spearmen, the infantry, the horsemen, ready. Where is the praise team? And the musicians. I want y'all to get out front. 
what an infantry should be. The first to get killed in battle. As well as fight. He puts the praise team in a place where strategically they shouldn't be. Letting them know again, you ain't going to have to fight. You ain't going to have to fight in this battle. But y'all going to have to praise him. Well, I'm off the praise team. If we're going to have to get out there, all them folk coming down the road. I quit right now, Brother Terrell. I'm, I'm off the praise team right now. But you saw on God, it will be a fence. Yeah, but not today, all them folk. Coming down the street, I'm quitting. But they stood strong because they believed the word that came from God's prophet. Give them a hand of praise for what they did, even though it's been thousands of years ago. Listen to this. I'm done, but listen to this right here. The Bible says that the things that were written aforetime were written for our, our learning. We learn from this.